0: chapter 5 of devlin the barber by b l fargin this librivox recording is in the public domain i must now speak of the letter which i received on the morning of the murder as i stood at my street door it was from a mrs lemon entreating me to call upon her at any hour most convenient to me on this sunday and it was couched in terms so imploring that it would have been cruel on my part to refuse, more especially as the writer had some slight claim upon me. Mrs. Lemon had been for many years a nurse and servant in my parents' house, and the children were fond of her. She was then a spinster, and her name was Fanny Peel. We used to make jokes upon it, and call her Fancy Peel, Orange Peel, Candied Peel, Lemon Peel, and we little dreamt when we called her lemon-peel that we were unconsciously moved by the spirit of prophecy for though she was thirty years of age she succeeded in captivating a widower a few years older than herself ephraim lemon a master barber and hairdresser who used to haunt the area we youngsters were in the habit of watching for him and playing him tricks i'm afraid but nothing daunted his ardour he proposed to fanny and she accepted him. Some enterprising tradesmen, when their stock is stale or old-fashioned, put bills in their windows, announcing that no reasonable offer will be refused. Fanny Peel, having been long on the shelf, may have thought of this when she accepted Ephraim Lemon's hand. After her marriage she came to see me once a year, to pay her respects, but suddenly her visits became less frequent, until they ceased altogether for a long time past I had heard nothing of my old nurse. It is a fine morning, I said to my wife, and I shall walk to Fanny's house. In the course of an hour I presented myself at Mrs. Lemon's street door and knocked. She herself opened it to me, and after an anxious scrutiny asked me eagerly to walk in. There was trouble in her face, tempered by an expression of relief when she fully recognised me. She preceded me into her little parlour, and I sat down, awaiting the communication she desired to make. Up to the point of my sitting down, the only words exchanged between us were… From her… Oh, sir, it is you, and you have come. From me… Yes, Fanny, I hope I am not later than you expected. From her… Not at all, sir. You always was that punctual that I used to time myself by you it is a detail to state that I had not the remotest idea what she meant by this compliment, especially as I had not made an appointment for any particular hour. However, I did not ask her for an explanation. I addressed her as Fanny, quite naturally, and when I followed her into the parlour an odd impression came upon me that I had gone right back into the past, and that I was once more a little boy in pinafores. The house Mrs. Lemon inhabits is situated in the north of London, in a sadly resigned neighbourhood which bears a shabby-genteel reputation. If I may be allowed such a form of expression, I may say that it is respectable in a demi-semi kind of way. I do not mean in respect of its morals, which are unexceptionable, but in respect of its social position it is situated in a square and is one of a cluster of tenements so exactly alike in their frontage appearance that were it not for the numbers on the doors a man that way inclined might hope for forgiveness for walking in and taking tea with his neighbour's wife instead of with his own in the centre of the square is an enclosure bounded by iron railings which once may have been intended for a cultivation of flowers at the present time it contains a few ancient shrubs which nobody ever waters, and which are, therefore, always shabby and dusty in dry weather. Even when it rains they do not attempt to put on an air of liveliness. It is as though they had settled down to the conviction that their day is over. To this enclosed rural mockery, each tenant in the square is supposed to have a key. But the only use the ground is put to, is to shake carpets in, and every person in or out of the neighbourhood is made free of it, by reason of there being no lock to the gate. There are no signs of absolute poverty in the square. Vagrant children do not play at shops, on the doorsteps, and window-sills. Organ men avoid it with a shudder. Beggars walk slowly through, and do not linger. Peripatetic vendors of food never venture there, and the donkey of the period is unfamiliar with the region amusement is provided twice a week by a lanky old gentleman in a long tail coat and a frayed black stock reaching to his ears whose instrument is a wheezy flute and whose repertoire consists of the last rose of supper and away with melancholy which he blows out in a fashion so unutterably mournful and dismal as to suggest to the ingenious mind that his nightly wanderings are part of a punishment inflicted upon him at some remote period for the commission of a dark mysterious crime it's very good of you to come sir said mrs lemon working her right hand slowly backwards and forwards on a faded black-silk dress, which I judged had been put on in honour of my visit. "'I hope you are well, sir, and your lady, and your precious family.' I replied that my wife and children were quite well, and that we should be glad to see her at any time. When she heard this she burst into tears. "'You always was the kindest-hearted gentleman,' she sobbed, you never did object to being put upon and you give away your toys free that all the other children used to take advantage of you but you didn't mind sir not you over and over again have your blessed father said when he was alive that boy'll never get along in the world he's so soft mrs lemon's tears at this reminiscence flowed more freely I can't believe sir no i can't believe time has flown so quick since those happy happy days the happy days referred to were of course the days of my childhood and my father's prophecy which i heard now for the first time respecting my future brought a contemplative smile to my lips ah sir said mrs lemon with a sigh if we only knew when we was well off what a lot of troubles we shouldn't have I nodded assent to this little bit of philosophy, and looked round the room, not dreaming that in the humble apartment I was to receive a clue to the mystery of the murder of pretty Lizzie Melladew. End of chapter 5